0: transformed. May we be renewed, Father, afresh today. We love you and your name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to address the elephant in the room. Uh, and he walked in here this morning as soon as all of you sat down. And uh, I didn't invite him. And some would say in this space that he's not very welcome. Well, maybe not welcomed is the right, isn't the right word, but completely misunderstood. You see, it just stinks to have him around. All of you at some point know, know him or know someone that deals with him, and yet sometimes uh, no one wants to talk about it. And if it's brought up, there's a lot of shame and misunderstanding that follows. In fact, a lot of you for a long time have had to deal with just it being there and really not knowing what to do with it. Some of you, some of you have given the time and, and, and your experience. Maybe some of you, you've been dealing with it for such a long time. And maybe you're experiencing it for the first time as of recent years. Some of you have just come to accept it and start to believe that it's just a part of who you are now. Life with it has gotten so bad that you don't believe that you'll ever get rid of it and that you would be stuck like this forever. And sadly, this dumb, irritating thing has been there so long that some of you have done some pretty extreme things to get rid of it, just to feel anything other than his presence, the weight, and the pressure. Some of you have self-medicated, done drugs, alcohol to numb yourself, thought about killing yourself, gotten into unhealthy relationships, created Unhealthy work habits all in an attempt to desensitize or just be in a different place. And yet there's a little part of us that knows that all those are just temporary patches to a much deeper issue. Maybe he's plagued your family or your mind and you know him all too well. His name is mental illness. I read a post recently on Facebook from Dr. Mike Caparelli, he's shared here before, and maybe you have heard this before, and I'm just going to read it to you because it's just fantastic. He posted an article on Facebook saying, unmasking depression. Depression is a blanket term often thrown on someone or we throw on ourselves when we're not sure what's wrong with us. All we know is that we can't shake the sadness, and I'm fully persuaded that obscurity alone deepens the melancholy. Hence, Proverbs tells us, with all thy getting, get understanding. And here's a list of what might lie underneath the blanket of depression. And he lists them. One, fear-based. The prophet Elijah's depression is set off by Jezebel's threat. In 1 Kings, she sent a message to Elijah. You killed my prophets, now I'm going to kill you. And I pray that the gods will punish me even more severely if I don't do it by this time tomorrow. This threat instigates his depressive cycle. And likewise, some folks are depressed because they're living under the threat of losing something they cherish. A relationship, a career, physical beauty, etc. Second is guilt-based. After David sinned with Bathsheba, he said in Psalms 31, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away while my soul groaned all day long. Likewise, some folks depression is the result of harboring guilt over past sins. Grief-based. After losing his children and livelihood, Job says in Job's 30:16, "My life sweeps seeps away, depression haunts my days." Likewise, some folks are depressed because of the losses they've experienced, socially based. I'm not certain how Adam was behaving in Genesis 2.18, but his behavior was so maladjusted that God said it's not good for man to be alone. Isolation itself is a basis for all sorts of neurotic and psychotic behaviors. And then chemically based. Psalms 34, 14 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. The Hebrew term for afflicted means a sick or sad heart. The term refers to a malady of our biology. facts are our biology is comprised of certain chemicals that, that, that keep us well. Dopamine, serotonin. GABA. A deficiency within these areas, results in a sad heart. And you can't fix, via prayer, meditation, the Word of God, fellowship therapy, what you don't understand. And I pray that this, this list helps you to get to the bottom of what's going on. Powerful article. If you guys are not on our, our uh, Bread of Life family group page make sure that you uh, get on there we got some really great stuff that's that's on there and so you know to be honest church we we have seen a lot in the past two years and and i i was struggling putting this message together because i honestly probably amongst a lot of you i'm sick and tired of talking about covid talking about the effects of covid i'm just kind of past that kind of moment but the the reality is that we're still dealing with the side effects of it And some of us, we went into fight or flight mode in the middle of of COVID, where we just rather, we just kind of got into that mode and just said, you know, I'm just going to, you know, just going to buckle down and figure this thing out and work through it and power through it, not realizing the effects that it was going to have on us, our relationships, our family, our marriages, our children. And so we've seen fear in our community hit an all-time high. We've seen our parents, our families, and our friends push to their limits, And today I want to talk to you about how this may have messed with your head. It might have messed with your head. This sounds extreme, but what you've experienced is trauma. Hello, I'll say it again. It might seem extreme, but what you have experienced is trauma. We were forced into a way of life that was not normal to us. Suddenly we were faced with decisions we have never had to make before. Some of us have lost people in our lives, and you cannot tell me that it has not affected us or even the way that we see other people. I have to be honest with you, how much have we as a church been condemning in our speech and our actions when contributing to that same trauma? I call them the casualties of COVID. The compromises that some of you were forced into to protect your livelihood of your families while living in fear of what your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ would feel about a vaccine. I know that hurts some of us here. I know that's a dangerous topic to step on. But some of us have contributed to that trauma. You can't tell me that it isn't traumatic. Some of you being pushed away from your families and your friends that love you and told you to stay at a distance because you could be the one that kills them. You could be the one that brings it to my house and kills us. These are not normal thought problems. These are not normal thought patterns. At least not ones that we've grown up with. Hello. And so... Here we are, these these not the normal thought patterns for our, our community, right? These are not the normal thought patterns for a community built on faith. This sounds like things that are based out of fear. Those actions and thoughts are based out of fear. Out of a near jerk reaction to protect us from any other major, major change to maintain control. And it does make me sad because I really do believe that some of our actions or maybe some of our inactions created some tension and trauma with people within our community here. Whether we said something or didn't say something, it might have reverted as a condemning statement. And I look at John 3.17 and it says, For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I see grace, not condemnation. Each of us has dealt with this very differently, and some of us found a target. Maybe a figurehead to focus our fear and our anger towards, to find some reason to make sense of it all, a coping mechanism to ease the conflict or the confusion in our mind. Some of us took up causes to distract us from the anxiety and fear of the unknown building up inside of us. And some of us took to our prayer closet. See, we can all say that our worlds have been flipped upside down and the things in our life that were normal and constant have now been flipped. And the sad part is that you're just forced to act like everything is normal and nothing is different. And this is just the way it is, so just grow up and deal with it. And I don't feel like that's healthy. But how can you deal with something that you've never dealt with before? What do people expect what does God expect of us as a church? How can we deal with it if, if no one wants to talk or go near the subject of mental health, of mental illness? And I, I, all of this pressure, all of this change, all of this trauma, everything that's happened is enough to make a person snap. It's enough to put a mental strain on you to cause some, some, some serious damage. And I need to be very clear before I continue on with this message that there are people that struggle with real mental illnesses and require medical attention and psychologists. And there are those who go through really hard times. Neither should be taken lightly. Neither one should be taken lightly. And neither should be a shameful topic. And yet somehow in the world that we've grown up in, it's a shameful topic. Showing that you have something going on in your mind that just doesn't seem right is a, is a sign of weakness. And that's so sad. It's so sad. It's a shameful topic, and yet mental health is a subject nobody wants to talk about. And since nobody wants to talk about it, it seems about there's no solution to it. But that is a lie. That is a huge lie. Amen. Well, if the church isn't talking about it, well, maybe I'll just go find another solution somewhere else from someone else. And some of us have done that. And maybe you found yourself in isolation because you just, you don't know who to turn to or where to go. And you feel alone. And you feel like you're drowning. So here you are this morning in a church. And what do we have to say about it? We believe that God has given every solution to life. He has given us the power for everything. That he is real and that he's really powerful. And so powerful that he can heal us. He can change us. Not only that, but he can change the circumstances around us. So you're probably wondering, when is he going to start preaching from the word of God? I am, I promise you. This morning, I want to share three events in Jesus' life and what his life, his lessons, his power, and his experience shows us about mental health. See, Jesus was an incredible storyteller. And he loved teaching and storytelling. In short stories, parables, allegories, metaphors to explain deeper issues in the human mind and soul. Even Jesus' interactions with people go way deeper than surface level. And in our first story this morning, we see Jesus' reaction to chaos. And if you're taking notes this morning, my first point is Jesus knows you. And this morning, I'm going to give you three passages of scripture. I would like for you to read these on your own. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. This is some homework for you this morning. I'm going to give you three passages. Two of them are right back to back, Mark 4 Mark 5. And we're going to go through these points together. And I'm going to kind of give you a paraphrase of the passage of Scripture. But I would like for you to individually read these yourself. And so in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, we find that Jesus and his disciples get in a boat. And they're going to go across the Sea of Galilee. They do it in the middle of the night. And you see Jesus, a bunch of his followers were fishermen. I'm sure you've heard this time and time again. And they had fished all over the Sea of Galilee. And so they take off one night in the boat, and things get dicey. This is what the passage of Scripture says. They start off, and out of nowhere, the winds start picking up, the waves start getting a little bit crazy, and it starts to get intense. And they take off in the boat, and things get crazy, a strong wind. And they begin to start freaking out. Now, keep this in context, church. These are experienced fishermen who had fished these seas time and time and time again. And even the most experienced, the most qualified, the most able-bodied and equipped fishermen are beginning to panic. And beginning to freak out because the wind is picking up, the waves are, and the boat's taking on water, and they are beginning to sink. Okay, I want us to take note of this. The storm is our mind. And I'm sure at the beginning of this turbulence that the disciples were beginning to experience, they were thinking, you know what? I got this. No problem, right? This isn't a big deal. How many times have we done that before? When life gets hard, when stresses begin to rise, when we become overwhelmed, when anxiety starts to to start to weigh on our chest, when we begin to feel that pressure on our minds, and we think, oh, it's no big deal, I got this. I got this, no big deal. And they thought they had a handle on it. They thought they had a handle on it. I don't need any help. Whew, how many of us have been there before? I don't need any help. And you've isolated yourself. But just as things started to progress to get worse, And worse and worse, they started to slip. And things got crazy real fast. And all of a sudden, what they thought they could handle was more than they could handle. And this is us, church. So what do they do? What do they do in this story? We find in this passage of scripture, after they've done all they've done, the wind and all that, and they're taking on, they run to Jesus. They go right to Jesus. And this is what I love about this passage of scripture, because when you're faced with things that at first you thought you could handle, and then you realize that you might be drowning, that you really need help, I can tell you with confidence, your best option is to go to Jesus. Amen. Your best option is to stop what you're doing, get on your knees, and cry out to Jesus. Amen. And we find in this situation, what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. Again, back to the context here, ladies and gentlemen. experienced fishermen been on the sea time and time again. Now they are experiencing something that they thought they had a handle on, and all of a sudden they're completely overwhelmed. and Jesus, I'm sure, probably rocking back and forth, you know, he's not phased by any of it. He's literally sleeping in the middle of this crazy storm. And we find in this passage of scripture, the disciples say say a phrase that I think a lot of us, when we are in moments of desperation, find ourselves saying. Lord, do you even care? We are about to drown. How many times have we been pushed to that place? In our moments of desperation, when we don't know where to turn to or where to go and we say, God, do you even care? I'm drowning here, God. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to, turn, where to turn to. I feel so alone. I feel so isolated. The things that are going on in my mind, do you even care about me? Do you even care? And Jesus wakes up. He gives them a slight rebuke because they just, he just fed like thousands of people earlier, and they just saw the power of his hand and the power of what he can do. And he says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? And he steps out and he says these beautiful words. Peace, be still. Be quiet. Quiet, peace, be still. I want to tell you something. Never underestimate what a conversation with Jesus can do to your mind. Talk to him. I never really grasped or understood The the fear element, the scary element of this story until November of last year, Uh, I was able to go on a a short-term little vision mission trip to the country of Liberia. And after flying on a plane for 19 hours, completely exhausted, riding in the most sketchiest vehicle I've ever been in my entire life to get to this, this hotel that we were staying at, It was beautiful when we landed, beautiful when we arrived, no problems at all. And then as soon as my head hit the pillow, all of a sudden it seemed like the sky ripped open. And it was the most intense, like, storm that I had ever experienced in my entire life. I was, I mean, it was so loud. Like, I was right on, we were right on the water, right on the coast. And it just felt like there was literally lightning just, like, landing everywhere around me. And I was panicking. All right. I was I was freaking out because I just I never experienced anything like this. All right. And so I may or may not have. okay, okay, May or may not have put a little video together saying, you know, Angie, if I die, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to get. You know, like she, it it was like one of those like uh, one of those like uh, when you're like those weird movies or shows where like somebody's hiding, you know what I mean? And they're like, they're in the dark, like you can't see anything. I'm like, oh, I love you, Angie. <laughs> like, I, I was freaking out. Like, I'm not joking you. Like, I was panicking. Like, I had never, ever experienced that amount of fear. And then literally, the, pa- I mean, the power had gone out. Like, it was, I mean, we're in Liberia. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. They don't have tons of electricity and, and all that kind. And so power goes out. And then lightning strikes, like, right outside my hotel. I, it was so close. I could feel the electricity electricity on my skin. I was I was freaking out. And so now when I read this passage of scripture, I get a greater appreciation and understanding for the amount of fear that the disciples had and where they get to this place of where they say Jesus, do you even care about me? We're drowning here. He's asleep. And sometimes we cannot see Jesus working or fixing our situation in our timing in our timing, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't care. Can I say that again for you this morning? Just because it's not working out in your timing doesn't mean that he doesn't care. All he's asking is for a little bit of faith. He's asking you for, to trust him. And many of us, like I said, have felt that way and felt that, 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 that God, do you even care? And we, felt, we feel like we're drowning in our darkness and our fear and our anxiety and we're overwhelmed. And if there's anything that you can learn today, please get in the habit of running to Jesus when your mind is in this place. Because if you believe in him and you have that faith, he will speak those same words over the storm in your mind as he did over the sea. And I believe that some of you here are fighting for a nugget of peace in your life when Jesus can give it to you so freely. All he asks is for some faith. And too often we make our our feelings known to the father while having a backup plan in case he doesn't come through for us. And so we see that Jesus is not fazed by the storm in your mind. He's not not fazed by the chaos. He wants to give you the freedom. Moving over to the next chapter, in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, we come to the second point, is that Jesus pursues you. Have you ever taken any time to really read the Gospels, which I hope you do, because you're in church, and if you're followers of Jesus, it's kind of necessary for you to read the Bible and to be in it, so little you know plug there for reading the Bible. <laughs> if you've ever taken time to really know anything about Jesus, we know that Jesus was very intentional in the things that he did. He's very intentional about the things that he did. So after they have just survived this chaotic storm, they finally get to the other side, right? So they get out to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the text tells us that when they got out of the boat, they were met by a man that was possessed by an unclean spirit. This demon possessed the man and came from some of the tombs nearby. The Bible tells us that this man was so tormented that he was driven from everyone and that he lived in the tombs. And that even when people tried to restrain him, he would tear the chains apart and smash the shackles. Now, I know, I know you guys have seen some pretty wild things. Some pretty crazy movies, some stuff online, you know, some scary stuff. And maybe, just maybe, you may have opened yourself up to some dark things. We must be careful, church, because the enemy is cunning and deceitful. And he can get, if he can get you to compromise on even the smallest things, we can open ourselves up to some pretty dangerous attacks on our mind. If he can get us to compromise in the smallest of things, we can get ourselves into some pretty, pretty tough waters. Well, what's wrong with a little bit of this, Pastor Joel? What's wrong with a little bit of that? And if we, if we take a look Really, take a close look at the things we allow. We might find a little compromises chipping away at our spiritual and mental fortitude. And there's a lot out there, church. There's a lot out there. You know, there's, there's things out there, kid shows, Adult shows that have, you know, witches and demons and, and wizards and all this kind of stuff. And, and you're like, oh, well, it's just fantasy. It's just make-believe. But there actually are witches and demons and people. Like, that, they're not, it's not fake. It's a reality, you know? Like, I, I, was, I was sharing with Bob Riller, like, Angie and I, with the same thing, we, we watched this, uh, we let our kids watch this little cute show called Goldie and Bear, okay, right? It's the adventures of Goldilocks and Bear, Right? Think it's oh, it's so cute. They go on all these adventures and they have all these lessons about teamwork and fun. But, but there's a lot of magic and a lot of, like, witches and, like, fairy godmothers and, like, things that are, like, worked into it. And you can probably say at the end of the episode, hey, wow, they're really learning about teamwork and they're learning about self-confidence. And learning. And you can probably put a blanket statement that it was a good episode, but there's those little things in there normalizing some of, the, some of those things that we should not be normalizing, should not be something that should be a part of, of, of our minds a part of our lives. I know that sounds extreme, but, but listen, this is kind of an extreme message. So we're not talking about this enough. We're not talking about these little compromises, right? There's, there's stuff out there. People wearing crystals and, and things like that. Be like, oh, people are going to like me more because I wear this specific crystal. That is demonic stuff. That is evil stuff. You're like, oh, the stars are, I'm this, I'm a, I'm a Gemini, I'm a this, I'm a that. It's like, guys, this stuff is opening us to some dark things that we allow these type of things, right? I mean, I mean, even, all right. Some of you are going to get mad at me, okay? But just follow me for two seconds, okay? Even yoga, okay? Even yoga. Just look at the definition of yoga. It literally is within the name. It is a Hindu spiritual discipline and aesthetic. That's what it is, okay? I, it's in the name. And there's a lot in there that talks about you being one with your mind, one with your body, one with, I want to be one with Christ, church. We need to be one with Christ, All right? Fine, you go ahead and do some breathing exercises and stretches. That's okay, all right? That's all right. But just let's bring Jesus into this, okay? I don't need to hear about goat yoga, all right? All right, so we don't need that, all right? We need Jesus. We need to be one with Jesus. We need to be careful of those compromises and those dark things that are coming around us, that are around us. And so we must be on guard not to allow these things into our minds because they are based out of some dark stuff that opposes God, and they can mess with our minds. I mean, literally, the man who is possessed by the demon says, Why have you come to destroy us, son of man? That's his response. And so. We see in Mark chapter 5, we see in this interaction between Jesus and this tormented man. And we don't know any of his backstory. We just come into the part where he's tormented. We come into the part of the story where he's been pushed outside of society, where he's alone, where he's in pain, where he's cutting himself in and full of torment. And it doesn't say how he got to this place. All we know is that Jesus was there and this man was in need of saving. And in this interaction with this man, we see something very unique and very powerful. We see a clear distinction where Jesus wasn't talking to the man. He was talking to the demon. Hear me. Hear me. Follow me with this. He wasn't talking to the man. He was talking to the demon. Now, some of you are like, this is so weird, Pastor Joe. Listen, I know you've watched some stuff. I know you've seen some stuff, okay? It's not, I'm not off here, okay? And so he's talking to the demon. Now, I'm not saying this morning that some of your mental state and where you're at is a demonic attack. But what I am going to say to you this morning is, that that, is your, that that mental state, however you got there, however, whatever it is, it's not a part of who you are. I'm going to say that again. Jesus makes a clear distinction when he speaks to the man, he doesn't speak to the man, he speaks to the demon and makes a clear distinction, this is not who you are. This is not who you are. For those of you who are in this place mentally, who are so dark, or broken, that is not who you are this morning. I'm speaking to that part of who you are, that thing that you're battling in your mind, that is not who you are. Even if you believe it, even if you feel like you've been stuck with it for years and years and years and years, it is not who you are. And Jesus makes this clear distinction between the man and the demon. It's not a part of who you are. It is a condition of the environment around you and the things that you've been exposed to and maybe the things that you have exposed yourself to. And I don't know how you got there this morning, church. And I don't need to know how you got there, but I know a man who wants to free you and show you a better way, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is a distinction. I really want, you to, I want that to set in with some of you this morning, that there is a distinction between the mental, the mental breakdown, the mental fight that you are going through, and the person of Jesus Christ with inside of you. It is different. It is two separate things. And at the end of the portion of the scripture, this passage, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus does something crazy. He says to the demon, who are you? And he says, well, our name is Legion, for we are many. And then he casts the demons out of the man into a, a herd of pigs nearby. And the pigs, obviously, their immediate reaction to having a spirit possess them, they go wild and crazy. And they go down the hill and they drown themselves. It's a wild picture. It's it's an intense, dark, twisted, scary picture to to think that they were so tormented that they they killed themselves immediately. How much pain and agony that man was in. It's wild. And in verse 15, we see that they... They came to Jesus, the town people, because obviously this is a commotion. This is a big deal, right? This is obviously the pigs. It's livestock. Some of you guys have raised pigs here. I know. I know who you are. I I would like some bacon later. Uh, But it was a livelihood for this community, for these people, for these farmers. And all of a sudden, all of their pigs are now drowned and dead. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the town people would be pretty upset that you just, you know, all the all of their pigs are dead, right? And so, they come on the scene, and they came to Jesus in verse 15, it says, and they observed the man who had been demon-possessed. And what was he doing now? He was sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. See, this man was set free and in his right mind. And be- And here's what's happened. Because of what happened to the pigs, the people in the area, they sent Jesus away. They're like, we don't want any of this, man. We don't want to have a part of this. And even though they saw this man sitting up clothed and in his right mind, they said because this happened, they sent Jesus away. And if you read over this passage quickly, you'll miss it, church. I made a statement at the beginning of this point that Jesus is intentional about what he does and what he did. So this tells me that Jesus only went to this place for this one man. In chapter 4, he says, let's get in the boat and go across. And he ministers to that one man who was isolated, who was tormented, who was in pain, who needed freedom, who needed healing. And he puts him in his right mind. Because they sent him away. This tells me that Jesus came for him. The mind is a terrible place sometimes. And when you are isolated or mentally strained, you might think there's no one that cares about you, church. Or that no one's thinking about you. Or what you're going through. And that is the farthest thing from the the truth, church. Jesus sees how tormented you are. And he wants to free you. And he wants you in your right mind. And he will go through anything for you. In fact, he did. He did on the cross so that there would be nothing that separated us from God and through his actions gave us access to the power to overcome any obstacle that we face, including the ones that happen in our minds. See, he has given you the victory in your mind today, church, and he pursues you. He pursues you. My last point this morning is: this is Jesus feels you. In Matthew 26 is the last passage of scripture I'm going to share with you. You might say, well, you know, this is, this is really nice, Pastor Joel. <clears throat> but I'm, uh, you know, I'm not weak. I don't need this, right? I don't deal with this stuff. I don't want wa- to deal with this stuff, <laughs> right? I don't want to deal with this stuff. It's hard for me to come to Jesus with all of this stuff. Right? I, I don't I don't want to be a burden to him. I don't want to be an inconvenience to him. Maybe you're here and you thought, This was and this is Jesus. He was he was God. And he doesn't really know what what we feel. He can't he can't relate to me. You know, this is this is this is depression, this is anxiety, this is and in that way you are very wrong, my friend. In a short amount of time, we find in Matthew 26, in a short amount of time, Jesus experienced some of the most heartbreaking, painful things that did a number on him and his mind. The last time that he had dinner with his friends, he revealed that one of his friends that he had, been, had spent the last three years of his life doing the most incredible things with and changing the lives of so many people was going to betray him for chump change. So what does he do? He goes and he prays. He goes to his heavenly father through the torment, through the pain. And the Bible says in this passage of scripture that Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. Sorrowful and troubled. Wait a second. That doesn't sound like Jesus. I like table flipping Jesus. That's who I like. I like table flipping, eyes spitting. You know what I mean? Like I, I like that Jesus, right? Give me the, the water into wine. Oh wait, no, hold on, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I like that Jesus. I like the fun Jesus. I like the happy Jesus. Like I like the one who I don't like. What is this sorrowful and mo- what? I don't. This is troubled. What? This this doesn't sound like the glowing, levitating, always happy Jesus that we all know, right? To relate to us more, God allowed Jesus to feel what we feel. Verse 38, Jesus said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That sounds pretty heavy. That sounds pretty dark jesus was going through it jesus was troubled jesus was in pain in his mind in his heart in his soul and we find that jesus was so overwhelmed that he asked god to change the outcome of his life how many of us have been there God, please, just change this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Jesus is so overwhelmed, moved to the point of death, that he asks his Heavenly Father to change the outcome of his life. And anyone else out here would ask the same thing of our Heavenly Father. And in this conversation, we see Jesus fight through mental and emotional pain, to tell the Father that he is willing to experience and to take on all of this pain just so that you don't have to. I don't know if you heard me when I said that, church. We see him battle and fight through mental and emotional pain to say to his heavenly Father, your will, not my will. That he was willing to experience and take all of that pain and put it on himself so you don't have to. That's my Jesus. That he would take it all on himself so that we could have access to the solution. I'm not saying that you are never going to feel pain or deal with mental problems, church. But because of what Jesus did for you, you never have to be alone. You are never a burden to him and your brokenness doesn't face him. It is why he pursues you so that he can pull you out of the torment, set you in your right mind and calm the storms around you. Jesus, he knows you, he pursues you and he feels you. Angie, why do to you come on up? See, maybe you're here today and this message is stirring in your heart Maybe not for you, but for someone. See, maybe you've been affected. Maybe, maybe you've seen the effects I've spoken of this morning. Can I encourage you today to stand in the gap? Maybe this isn't for you. Maybe I'm way off. Maybe I'm not. I don't think I am. I don't think I am. Maybe you've seen these effects can I encourage you to stand in the gap for your friends, for your families, to be a support to them, to share this message of hope, that Jesus sees what they're going through, that he is pursuing them, and desire is for freedom and peace in their mind, that he feels the pain that they feel and the weight they carry. little shameless plug for you. Every single Thursday night, This room has twenty to thirty kids that are all weighed down by anxiety, by fear. Could you imagine being a child in the past couple years and what you, what they've experienced, what they've gone through, all the changes? And we're navigating that together as a community in the foundry. But we need people. We need people to come to help to pray. These students are navigating the most mentally confusing era of all time. And there's more, there's more empowerment for them to live their lives based on who they are attracted to than what is actually healthy for them as a whole. It's leading to a mental epidemic. You can make a difference in the next generation. And I'm, I'm not asking you, church, to fix the world. I'm asking you to make a way for an invitation into the minds of the tormented, broken, and lost in our community. And maybe this message is for you. Maybe it is. Can I tell you this morning that this is not a place of shame? It's not Planet Fitness. <laughs> no judgment zone. But this is not a place of shame. This is a place of freedom. This is a, a place where there's Grace. You don't have to do it alone anymore. Can we bring it into the light, church? Can we be real? Can we allow Jesus into the storm of our mind? Can we be the one that helps us to set ourselves in our right mind, sits us up, shows us his pursuit? That you are loved and supported by this community of believers to keep pointing you back to Jesus for being a shoulder to cry on, an ear to listen. But let me tell you this morning: surrender is weakness everywhere except for this place. Surrender is weakness everywhere else except here. Bending the knee and surrendering is diverting power to the one who can break the chains and calm the sea. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? I ask you to please respond to this message at the altar. As a pastor here at Bread of Life Church, I have spoken to many of you, and there are many of you who don't even have to speak to you. It's on your face when I look at you, when I talk to you. Please, I beg of you this morning, Please do not leave this place with the same burden that you walked in. Please come to the altar. Come lay it at the feet of Jesus. There are people here that want to pray with you. I said it before and I'll say it again. This is not a place of shame. This is a place of freedom. Don't walk in it any longer. Don't allow it control Or power in your life anymore. Surrender it to the Lord. Give it to Him this morning. Come together with a body of believers that will support you, that will pray with you, that will encourage you, that will lift you up, and bring it to the feet of Jesus. I'm gonna pray. I ask you to respond. These altars will be open. Come and pray. Come and seek the Lord. Come and experience the freedom. Don't be, you're not alone anymore. You're not alone. Let's bring it to the light. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word, your truth, and your power in our lives. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this word, as it has sunk into our souls, that Father, that we respond. That Father, right now, I pray against fear and anxiety in the name of Jesus. Lord, I bind it in the name of Jesus. It has no authority in this place. You have the authority in this place, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this place, God, who have been dealing with mental illness, have been dealing with the struggle, with the darkness, with the brokenness, with the fear. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, they run to you, that they come to you just like the disciples, God, in that moment. They didn't know what to do. They felt like they were drowning, and they ran to Jesus. Lord, I pray that right now they come to you, that you wrap your loving arms around them, encourage them, lift up their spirits, put them in the right minds, God. Let them encounter the power of Jesus this morning. If that's you this morning, come out of your seats. Come and receive prayer. We want to pray with you. We want to anoint you. We want to see the victory come alive in your life this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't let shame get in the way. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you.